Welcome back to Mixed Tech Missions Podcast. Today, we're going to take this thing in a new direction. Um, we have really enjoyed just picking up random topics and discussing them with you guys, but we found that we can uh, be more productive with our time. Um, now that the Holy Spirit is working and we have all these new believers, we have to disciple them. And so uh, part of our team strategy is uh, meeting regularly with our new believers and discipling them by walking through the book of Acts. Well, um, there's three of us guys, and um, everybody's got different experiences and, and different things bringing to the table. And so we like to come together and talk about kind of the main points in each part of Acts and how we're going to teach that um, on Sundays with our new disciples. So that's kind of, we're going to try this today and see how it goes. We're transitioning the podcast to uh, a planning session, if you will, uh, a discussion um, through a section of Acts that helps us unify our teaching for the discipleship on Sundays. So you guys are going to get an insight moving forward um, into the process of how the Holy Spirit is preparing our hearts to teach through spending time discussing the text with one another. And um, we're looking forward to sharing that with you. So this week, um, we are in Acts chapter 8, and uh, we're going to teach uh, the whole chapter, and it's made up of various different uh, parts or main events. Daniel, you want to kind of help us break down kind of those main sections, uh, what we're looking at in Acts chapter 8? Yeah, well, it kind of starts, it just kind of finishes out the uh, Stephen story, uh, which we did talk about last week in our, our discipleship group, um, but it also, that little section helps to transition to the next and and Philip sort of the the connection between these stories so Philip was one of the disciple or one of the uh, um, the deacons elected in the beginning of chapter six Um, and um, so you have him going into Samaria and then his ministry there and so if you recall that's where uh, you know the people in Samaria believe and then there's this uh, guy identified as Simon the Magician, and uh, he uh, professes faith. Um, but then when there's this delay in, um, in the believers receiving the Holy Spirit, and so they don't receive the Holy Spirit until the apostles come, and lay hands on the people, and then they receive the Spirit. And then so Simon wants to buy this power. Right. And so Peter rebukes him for thinking that he could purchase the power of God. And then we see Philip uh, being told by God to go to uh, the road going from Jerusalem to Gaza. Uh, he goes there. He finds the Ethiopian eunuch who is, happens to be reading the Isaiah uh, prophecy of Jesus. So Philip uh, interprets, explains that for him. And then the eunuch wants to be baptized. And so those are our two main stories is Philip in Samaria and then Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. Okay, so we're looking at two main stories, and I kind of see like three, three kind of teaching sections. Like you've got the persecuted church sending out, send, the persecuted church sending out, you know, fulfilling Acts 1-8, sending out Philip. Um, we can get more into that. Then you have... Then you have this text around the sorcerer, around Simon, uh, laying in our hands to receive the Holy Spirit. Like, that's, that's, a, tough, that's a tough text um, it, that we got to work through. And then the third section is the Ethiopian eunuch, which is you know, pretty straightforward from a teaching perspective. Um, Jake, can you kind of start us off by, this, by talking about 
like get us going on this first section of the persecuted church sending out uh, people going out and preaching and teaching. Okay, okay. Yeah, uh, this is an entry section. We don't know how much time passed between uh, chapter 1 and chapter 8. Chapter 1 is where Jesus tells the disciples that they're going to be uh, witnesses of Him in uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We've seen through the first uh, seven chapters that they have stayed right there in Jerusalem and had some influence in Judea, but th to this point, they have not gone out to Samaria. One of the things we talked about in our pre-planning session was this idea that um, God used the gospel, or God used the persecution to spur the gospel on. Uh, now, we don't know exactly how long it took or why, but we do know this, that it seems to be that God used the martyrdom of Stephen to propel the believers out of Jerusalem. I personally think that, that, that the persecution was part of God's plan uh, to get them going about the gospel. And now, this is just my assumption reading to the text that maybe they waited too long to leave Jerusalem hmm. and that God used the, 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 the martyrdom, martyrdom of Stephen and subsequent persecution from Saul of the church in Jerusalem to actually get people going out because it seems that just immediately after that, then all of the believers began to leave out of Jerusalem, start pointing out, and this is where they arrived outside of Jerusalem, Judea, and we see the beginnings of the work going out beyond that. What I found interesting in all of that, not uh, just from assumption, but just uh, what we see right here is that um, this work, primarily in verses 1 through 4, is done by everybody but the apostles. That, that the apostles actually stayed in Jerusalem. This work was done by the, the church members, the new disciples, however long they've been, been within the, the church in Jerusalem. This work was led by them. How many, how many times do we feel like uh, I was just with a bunch of church planters uh, in the States and this idea that, you know, that the, the church planner, the apostle, if you will, has to do all the work, right? That's not the example we're seeing here. No, it's really hard for, for pastors to entrust uh, their people to go out and do the work. Uh, of course, we know that, that the Scripture says that you know, a pastor or a, you know, church, a leader in the church is not supposed to be a recent convert and things like that, but how long is long enough and how much knowledge is enough knowledge that, that, that those questions are not specifically answered. What we do see here is that the apostles didn't seem to have any problem with other people going out okay. to do this work. So uh, it, another point would be, what did they do as they were going? Verse 4 says that they were gospelizing people as they went. They were just good newsing people as they went. I find this an interesting translation of that, 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 that it was just the, the habit of those who were scattered through the diaspora caused by the persecution, their role as they went, everywhere they went, was to good news people. I thought it was interesting you used the phrase that the Jerusalem church sent them out. Right. It's kind of like saying a church planted another church because they had a church split, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that was an intentional sending. Right. <laughs> the, um, I think of uh, a mixed egg friend of mine once told me, uh, this gal that grew up in one of the one of the early uh, mixed tech churches, she said I was telling her about a about a, a new group of believers out in the mountains, 
And she said, have they been persecuted yet? You know, has anything bad happened to them because of their faith? And I said, yes. And she said, good. That means they're probably going to make it. And that, I think of this text when I, when I think of that story. So Daniel, like in regards to the persecution, like how, how do you think we need to address this or focus on that when it comes to our people and our, our teaching? Well, I think it's a good lesson on trusting in the sovereignty of God. All uh, things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So uh, this was not some kind of random persecution. Um, it was not... Uh, you know, God, it did not take God off guard, uh, but it was part of his plan to spread the gospel. And um, so, yeah, I think there's a, a broader lesson, not just related to persecution specifically or even to church planting, but just in life in general, is that we don't need to, one, we don't need to worry that God is is absent or he's punishing us or, or whatever when bad things happen to us, but that we can see that in the bad thing and not denying that it is a bad thing. I mean, persecution's not a good thing. It's evil. It's, it's sin mm. to persecute believers. Yet at the same time, it's fulfilling God's purposes in that the people we're going out of Jerusalem to share the gospel. And so God is fulfilling His purposes in our lives uh, through harmful things and through the sin of other people. Um, so nothing's wasted. No pain is wasted. To me, those who try to argue that God doesn't know the future, He doesn't know these types of things are going to happen, He's doing the best He can, He's really smart, so He can anticipate a lot of things, but sometimes things just happen that are out of his um, control or out of, you know, something he did just did not see coming. And, you know, man, that's tough, but God's there with you and he'll work something out here. I think that view is not very encouraging. It tries to get God off the hook with this whole question of God and, and how he works with, with hard things. But to me, I'd rather know that what I'm suffering was not some unnecessary thing and it was not a waste every bit of pain that I feel is actually has a purpose in God's plan it's going to be used for something better than what um, than just that suffering itself it's an interesting point about persecution and the sovereignty of God uh, the point that you made is really really important in that nothing takes God by surprise and that God makes everything work together that we can trust in that that Without that, there is a hopelessness that occurs that this persecution is meaningless. But even another point that, that I find encouraging in this is that we also don't want to go the other direction and say that God caused that. God's not evil. God didn't desire that. You know, uh, Some people may say after my uh, opening remarks that, that God used it, uh, that, that, that meaning that God caused it. But we don't want to promote a God that causes pain either. This was not his intention. It is, but what we do see is that God, as you said, Daniel, God doesn't waste anything that happens. He's quite resourceful in using uh, anything, whether it be sorrow or suffering or persecution, the death of one of his uh, children, 
the injustices in the world, he is very much capable of using all of that for his glory. Now, uh, what we cling to is the, the hope that we have that uh, in the character of God. That, and I, I, that's what I see when I look at these believers. They, they weren't looking at God going, why, oh, why, oh, why are we losing our homes? Why, oh, why, oh, why are we being thrown in prison? Why, oh, why is all of these bad things happening to us? They're looking at it and going, let's use this for the glory of God. Let's, let's use our pain and our suffering and this persecution to do what uh, is most important and proclaim the excellencies of God to everywhere we go. And this is a trend that we've seen that we've been teaching this group for the previous seven chapters. Uh, when when, the, when the, the disciples got beaten in jail and were praising God, um, you know, so... Or even the, even the prayer that they made when they were released, they did not pray for the persecution in the end. They prayed that God would give them courage to be faithful to continue preaching the gospel. It prayed for boldness to share their new faith before that. Like, and so these are things that we've already been conveying to the group. So I think, I think one of the things is we'll just, um, as we're teaching through, this will be in this first section, we'll just emphasize, it won't be a new teaching. It'll just be a further emphasis on... Um, Bad things happen to believers, and they press on, and God uses all things for good, and they keep teaching and preaching the Word. Absolutely, that, that they, they, use, they use their experiences, good or bad, for the proclamation of the kingdom. Amen. That's perfect. They use their experiences, good or bad, for the proclamation of the kingdom. I think about what, what, um, what one of our believers said, and he said, my, my people need to learn to take some hits, recibir mm. golpes <laughs> in Spanish, because... Because up until Christianity, uh, the mixed tech people treat uh, spiritualism or spirituality as a way to meet their immediate needs here on earth, right? And so it's been go to the brujo so I can get healed, go to the brujo so I can get money, go to a, a, a mass at the Catholic church so something good will happen or whatever. And it's all about meeting my immediate physical needs or spiritual needs. Um, and, and, and his concern was uh, when these new believers suffer trials and persecution, that they'll just run back to their old ways because those ways don't do that to them, you know? And so this is just a, a further emphasis on how to receive persecution, how to, how to, how to persevere trials that are, that are, that are resulting from s- s- this, the fallen world that we live in and the enemy that does exist. Um, and the response is you continue teaching and preaching. So that's that's the first section, uh, and then we get into some. Then we get into uh, the sorcerer's profession of faith, the Simon, um, and uh, and the laying on of hands. Um, this can this can create some problems. Uh, Jake, why don't you lead us out in, in this section? Kind of give us an introduction and and kind of uh, get the ball rolling. Well, yeah, this is a very difficult text for us uh, because. It presents some things that are out of the ordinary and uh, specifically from our stream of Christianity. And, uh, but nonetheless, is the Word of God and we have to deal with it. Um, one of the things, just as, as a side note, is we, we're working through the book of Acts in this form because we want our new disciples to learn how to work through scripture whatever whatever scripture comes at you you can handle it Um, but what we see here is because of the diaspora they were all going out sharing the gospel philip one of the original 
uh, deacons in the church in Jerusalem, he uh, goes out to a, to a city down in Samaria where he's preaching the gospel to them. And while he's there, he's also able, preaching the gospel, he performs lots of miracles. Uh, we, we assume that he healed people. We know that he cast out unclean spirits. He had so much power that he attracted a large crowd, including a witch doctor who previously had been known as what Daniel pointed out, uh, the power of God, yeah. that he is, not that he has, that, that he is the power of God. So obviously this man had significant ability to do things, supernatural things, that uh, caught the people's attention. They, they looked to him as a man with a lot of power. The people believed, including Simon. Uh, they they said they all believed, and then uh, Philip baptizes them, and then the church in Jerusalem hears about it and sends out the apostles to check on them. And so when the apostles get there, uh, they lay hands on them, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them at that time. And so that's where where it stopped right there. This story is the laying hands on. Oh, and then. Um, uh, Simon, seeing the power of the, the, uh, of the Holy Spirit through the laying on of the hands of the apostles, he wants it. And so he asked them to give it to him. And of course, Peter says, let your, let your money perish with you and you need to repent uh, for, for what you've done because the power of God is not for sale. And so uh, uh, when they had testified and spoken the word to everybody there, they continued, they returned, the apostles returned back to Jerusalem, and uh, Philip continued to preach there in Samaria. Well, it's, it's interesting. One thought that pops into my mind, like here, the Mixtec people, when you go to the witch doctor, like it ain't free, right? So like you got to pay the witch doctor, right, to perform this, his spiritual duties, mm -hmm. if you will. And this is, is, is so similar, this story of, of the sorcerer, Simon, uh, and he's trying to pay um, the apostles uh, for that power. Yeah. He recognized that the, the spirit, the power of the spirit was more powerful than his abilities as a witch doctor. Well, that's a, that's a good point to bring out is, is, is here's the witch doctor seeing, seeing the God of the Bible as um, superior. And, and wanting that. And so that's, that's an interesting point to draw out. Um, we, you know, there, there are texts out there, um, not texts, there are uh, commentaries uh, that look at this section of Scripture and talk about the fact that possibly uh, Simon was never saved in the first place, right? Uh, that he um, professed faith but maybe didn't uh, repent of sins, like um, that, that there was need for for the, the apostles to lay hands on him, uh, for him to receive the Holy Spirit. Like, these are kind of difficult concepts. Um, Daniel, you got any feedback on that? Well, I think there's reason to wonder and uh, doubt whether he had a genuine conversion, but the text isn't altogether clear on it. I don't think that's necessarily what you want to emphasize because um, it's not the point of the text. The point is that... Uh, Simon's attitude towards the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. So whether or not he was a believer or not is kind of moot. The point is that um, that he, he misunderstood and he thought that this was just like another um, 
practice like he had known, you know, that's something you can acquire, that you can buy the secrets for having this power. And I think that's a very important lesson for our Meeks Tech friends because you mentioned with how you have to go buy the services of a witch doctor here, mm -hmm. but even in just their way of thinking about um, God and spiritual things, it's kind of a quid pro quo, mm -hmm. um, you know, I do this, God gives me that. I do this, a saint does this for me. I do this, the dead do this for me. And so it's not about trying to get something from God by either buying something or doing this ritual or, um, you know, doing these good deeds so that God will reward me. The point is that it's a relationship with God. And God is a father who gives good things to his children when they ask him. And if he doesn't give what we want, it's for our good. It's not because he's mean. And so I think there can be some Simon-like attitudes kind of residual in even believers' mindset. There's just that transformation of being able to think of God in those terms rather than what they have known and grown up with. Well, Daniel, I think your point that you just made is the best point that we've heard all day on all of this. For our listeners, we, we weren't in agreement on, on, on Simon and where he was at in our, our, our previous discussions. Uh, but the point that Daniel has made is the most important point. And that is, it's not the point of the text. It's not everything, whether, you, whether he is or he isn't, that, that's going to be based upon different assumptions that you're choosing to make. You know, if he believed and he's in, then he, he was in sin. If he didn't believe, then it was a mistake and all of that. Those are all assumptions of the test, but that's not the point. The point that you just made, Daniel, is the most important point in the direction I think that we should go with this text, and that is, that is Simon misunderstood the power of God. He, he misunderstood the heart of God. He thought that God's blessings are for sale. And the reality is God's blessings are not for sale, including the abiding presence of His Holy Spirit and the things that the Spirit wants to do in, in the hearts of, his, of God, the followers of Christ. And so, if anything, that's the point. And the point being is we so often miss out on God's intentions for us because we have other expectations of His blessings. We see things that we want, but we misunderstand the, the heart of God, and therefore we think that we can give to God in order to get, in the same way in our culture, right? I mean, I'm going to go to church because, you know, that will earn me favor with God. I'm going to give money in the offering plate because that will earn me favor with God. I'm going to do all these other, these things, services and ministries in the church because I think somehow that I will receive in exchange God's blessings for my acts of service. Now, we wouldn't say it that way, but in reality is, aren't, isn't there a little bit of Simon in all of us that we all kind of feel like, if I am a good person, then God is obligated to give me something in return. And I feel like maybe that's the point. Simon completely misunderstood how we relate to God in the first place. And it's not on the basis of what we give to Him, but rather on the basis of who He is. And I think that circles back around to like the main... Uh one of the biggest challenges that we have with the mixed tech people, and I think your comment was spot on, it's not just the mixed tech people that have this challenge, the understanding of God's grace that is not earned. It's a free gift. Absolutely. And, and this is another example of how can, what can I do to earn favor with God? What can I do 
to receive the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, it's a works-based kind of relating to God and never intended for us to relate to Him by work. And, 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 and so that in this, in this, this middle section of chapter 8, uh, when we're teaching through discipleship, maybe that's the main point that, we're gonna, that, we, that we try and make is this is about uh, the Holy Spirit is a gift to those who believe and repent who are uh, those who have decided to walk God's path with God's people and God's son. Um, it's not something that can be earned. Do you notice the offense of the apostles that even just the, the, the idea that, that the Holy Spirit could be purchased? Like for them, that was such an offense to even uh, the nature of God that God could actually be purchased and even in probably in the case of Simon used for personal gain. It was actually quite offensive. In fact, the words that, that Peter uses to him are quite harsh, you know, like let your money perish with you. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully God can forgive you of this of this sin. You need to repent because this is really bad. I think another thing going on here is the objectification of the Holy Spirit. That is, you know, that Holy Spirit is just some kind of force and not not a person. person. Not a person. Yeah. Purchase a person. Yeah. That's a really good yeah. I mean, this is God. It's not a force. And well, he wanted to use it for himself. Yeah. Well, give me this power so that I can use it for my own self. And that is so contrary to every aspect of the gospel that it's just I get from God to give to myself. I mean, I would assume that if he's a witch doctor and if he's anything like a mystic witch doctor, he wants power so that he can make more money. Right. Yeah. Um. Well, that's that's uh, that's solid. Um, I I really like that direction. What about the laying on of hands? Uh, we mentioned um, we mentioned Daniel very astutely pointed out that uh, in our people group um, again it's about power, right? And they like tangible things like this. We have to be very careful uh, how we teach and how we discuss the laying on of hands, or be prepared to answer questions about the laying on of hands. Mm -hmm. Um, because this is kind of a, a one-off in Scripture uh, that I could see mixtape people really grabbing onto and wanting to make an absolute. I think what you said is a one-off, and that's an important part. Um, it's just this whole thing is odd. We don't see this repeated anywhere else in Scripture, that there's this delay for the Spirit coming after faith and baptism, and then that there's the laying on of hands for the, for the Spirit to be received. Um, I, I think we, I can explain why there was a delay. I think it was to show the gospel's now gone out of Jerusalem. Here, Samaritans are not full-blooded Jews, but look, they received the Spirit just like you did. And so here, the apostles are there to witness that so that they can give credibility and the church would accept the Samaritans into the church. But um, I don't really understand the laying on of hands, exactly why that happened. Um, I guess it's just sort of a transitional thing to say, okay, now you're receiving the Holy Spirit. I don't know. But the point is that it doesn't happen again, so we don't need to be basing a practice and thinking this is how things should always be because it happened in this one uh, specific uh, instance. So um, unless we see warrant or reason in Scripture to say, you know, this is the pattern for how we are supposed to do things, we need to be careful about these strange things that we're not really clear on why it happened and to say, well, that's what we should do. Just like Mormons have a doctrine of baptizing the dead based on an obscure statement by Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians. 
and it's not clear what he's talking about there. And then they had this whole doctrine based on that. I mean, that's, that's where you get into trouble. And so I think we just to acknowledge it and say, I don't fully understand this, but we know this isn't how things normally work. Um, but the point is that these foreigners to the Jews are now have been brought into the church. They receive the Holy Spirit too. Well, what you said is really is, is, a, is astute, the fact that we don't really understand this. Um, Jake, tell us a little bit about the importance of uh, not having all the answers all the time. Oh my goodness. Um, uh, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, the, the importance of humility is, is, is essential, right? Because God resists the proud. Uh, there are texts in Scripture that are hard to deal with. It's not bad to say, I don't understand or I have a difference of opinion. It's not bad to, to trust in others to be able to work through it with you. Um, uh, you know, as we allow texts that are more clear to help us understand texts that are not so clear. Uh, but to pretend that we have all the answers is quite foolish. One, because we don't have all the answers. But two, it actually sets up our nationals to believe that the American missionaries are the Bible answer men. Yep. And that because they haven't been to seminary and because they ha don't have a fully formed doctrinal position yet, uh, that they're, they're obviously going to be wrong or they're not going to be able to understand it. Uh, I think by the, in humility saying, I don't understand everything, but you guys, because you also have the same spirit that I have, and you have the same word that I have, and you have the fellowship of the faith together, can, can come together to understand even, even these difficult texts. So, it also says it's okay not to understand. Uh, absolutely. Why, you know, why is it that we think that we can actually put all of all of God into a simple uh, box that we can com completely understand everything about God. Uh, well, that would be foolish. And even in light of, of Christian history, I mean, it, all there are certain texts that are just confusing. So it's okay to live in the mystery, right? To allow for the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit, and to. Uh, to do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. And if he did it different in this, this case, even if I don't understand it, it doesn't change the fact that he did it this way. And it just means that he had a purpose and it was right the way that he did it. The way the Holy Spirit did it was right. It might be different than the way that I think he should have done it. But in the end, this is the way that he did it. And so we just work through these difficult texts, understanding that... that uh, in humility, we will come together through dialogue. And if we don't understand it, then it's not essential to faith and practice. You know, and, and I, I, I think that we're in a delicate spot and, and teaching that uh, to our people, what you just said, will uh, set them apart. Uh, lots have gone before us uh, here that um, with, with many different denominations. Daniel already mentioned one example where when we get to the mysterious parts or the parts that are not so clear, instead of just being humble and admitting this is not so clear, we as the missionary uh, 
fill in the gaps and end up with all these all these uh, unbiblical practices and just because we we it's uncomfortable to not have all the answers traditions of men ha hence are then created right that's right and next thing you know the church can't allow philip to go preach the word in in the town next door and baptize new believers right because he wasn't worthy yeah i think i would just say you know, there is no command in Scripture to lay hands on so someone receives the Holy Spirit. We see people receiving the Holy Spirit without a laying on of hands. So whatever's going on, this is not something we're supposed to imitate. You know, I think that's a good enough answer. You know, if I, somebody asked me, that's what I would say. And that to be saved, one must profess faith in Jesus Christ, um, which Simon did, and then, uh, and then repent. And, and be baptized yeah. and receive the Holy Spirit. These, these are the things that we see continually happening. That's the consistent part. Right. Well, one of the things about Simon, it does seem to be that when he was rebuked by, by Peter, that he was willing to say, pray for me. You know, that there was perhaps a sensitivity to the fact that he had missed it. I mean, he got rebuked, and instead of getting angry and bucking up to Peter, who are you to tell me, uh, he actually demonstrated a... a, a a, a desire to get it right. So I look at that and at least I have hope for Simon that, you know, we don't have any more word on him of what happened, but I have hope that he took this and learned from it and moved on. Well, and, and so bringing us to the end of the second section, um, the apostles, they testified and preached the word uh, and returned, uh, passing through many villages of Samaria, the Samaritans, um, and, and Philip, he went on, right? So they went back to the church in Jerusalem, mm -hmm. and Philip went on. Yeah. Uh, what happens next? What do we, what do we, what's the next thing we're going to have to deal with as we teach this text? Well, God tells uh, Philip to go to the road that's between, that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Uh, doesn't tell him anything else, just to go to that road. And so he goes, he obeys, and then he encounters an Ethiopian in a chariot. And this happens to be an um, official in the queen's government of uh, Ethiopia, and he happens to be reading Isaiah. So uh, Philip approaches and asks if he understands what he's reading, and the eunuch says, no, how can I? Somebody's not explaining, and invites him up in the chariot. And so Philip explains the text, which is about Jesus, about uh, talking about him being a sacrifice. And... Um, and so then the eunuch believes and is baptized. The baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch. Yeah, this is, uh, everybody knows this story. Um, what do you, Jake, what, what's one of the main points that we need to be drawn out of this or that, um, that may come up in conversation as we're walking through this with our new believers? Well, uh, there are multiple points. First, I would probably just go straight as it's told and that, you know, Philip was obedient to the Lord. Mm -hmm. didn't really say, I mean, that he knew where he was going. He just was willing to go. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't always know where the Lord is going to lead us. And sometimes it leads us to large crowds in Samaria. And sometimes it leads us to a, a deserted road in the middle of the desert mm -hmm. with a government official. Yeah. Um, we don't really know, but he was willing to go to this desert place. Uh, uh, not that it's a point of this text, but I always like to point out when, when Scripture points out a desert place, that that's usually the places where people encounter God is in desert places. You think all throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, uh, 
oftentimes that's where God does work is in the desert. And so I don't think it's, you know, by chance that that's where this happens. But he did. He rose up and he went uh, to this place. And it was just an act of obedience. How, how important it is as you're filled with the Holy Spirit to just be led wherever the Spirit leads. That's, you know, just, Lord, if, I, if you want me across the street, if you want me across the world, that's, that's where I want to be. And so I look at Philip and I go, this man who's full of the Spirit actually demonstrates that by willing to go wherever the, the Lord tells him to go. It's kind of an odd combination with Philip. So you have a very specific word from God, go to this place. And he goes, but it doesn't tell him, the Spirit doesn't tell him what to do. Show him what but he, you know, he's always ready to tell, share the gospel. <laughs> And then the Spirit takes them to Azotus, and it's in verse 40, it says, Then he passed through and preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So we have no indication there was any direction there. So when God's not giving us something specific, we just do what we know to do. It's and so, the last thing he told you to do. Yeah, and so he just kept preaching, you know. It's like, he didn't say, go to that town and preach, go to that town. He said, well, I'm supposed to be preaching, so let's, i got to pick a direction. Let's go this way. I think that's a great point. Um, again, we're in the process of discipleship with our new believers, right? And so this is a great example of what a believer, a follower of Christ does. They obey. When, 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 they, when God puts something on their heart, they obey. When they hear the word of God, they obey. My sheep know my voice. Mm-hmm. And, and two, um, they know what they're supposed to be doing no matter where they go, teaching and preaching the word. One of the things that um, we've been trying to teach them is to be aware of the opportunities that God has given you in everyday life. Like what's standing out, out that's different? Or is there a person who's here that shouldn't be here? Is there a conversation going on that, that's, that's pointing you to spiritual things? What's going on around you? And I see that in the example of Philip here. I mean, of course, he's there and there's only one other person. It's this Ethiopian eunuch. But what is this Ethiopian eunuch doing with a copy of the scroll of Isaiah? Now, like that's out of the ordinary. Yeah. That that's one. He he wasn't supposed to have a copy of the scroll, um, but what's he doing with a copy of the scroll there? And so I, I would look at this as an opportunity to remind our our new believers that part of evangelism and being a successful evangelism is just being present to the Holy Spirit, looking for the everyday opportunities that God puts around you all the time. Be present. Be listening. Be watching. Be paying attention, and. God is going to bring opportunities into your life all the time. It may not be huge crowds. It may be just the one person sitting on the side of the road reading uh, the scriptures. That is the that is the person that to whom you are supposed to speak at that moment. And I just look at Philip, and he's just like, "All right, this is this is an everyday life experience. There's nothing supernatural, nothing mystical. No, this is just I see a guy there. This is out of the ordinary. This must be the situation that uh, the Holy Spirit has for me today." One of the things that just is that I'm thinking about as we're working through this, and we had talked about that. We talk about this often. How our work here is not about the mixed tech people. It's about what God's doing in us, right? Like God cares just a, just as much about our growth and, and, and our maturing to become more like Christ as he does as these mixed tech people with whom we're serving. And, um, it, it, you know, based on what you just said, I, I heard a sermon the other day 
and uh, the 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 preacher, you know, great preacher, uh, man of God, and he was talking about uh, he's preaching Acts one eight, and he was saying, "Get out up beyond the walls of the church." And he told the story about um, how on the way to speak at this particular engagement, he was sitting on an airplane, and he's at this season uh, right now where he's traveling a lot uh, all over the the U.S. and and he sat down in the airplane, he put his headphones in and he opened up his laptop and he was just like ready to take a break, you know? And this guy sat next to him, there's three in his row, it was just a chatterbox. And um, and the guy speaking, the two people next to him end up having this whole conversation. He kept his headphones on and at the end of the flight, he gets up, takes his headphones off and the chatterbox guy turns to him and says, I could tell you didn't really wanna talk with me because you had your headphones on the whole time. And he was just so convicted. It was like, God put this guy right next to me on an airplane who just wanted to talk to somebody about anything, and I missed it. And I think of Philip. He didn't miss it. He saw the guy with the scroll, and he, he did what we're supposed to do. He was the example. And it shows that God is already at work in people before we ever meet them. Yeah. Um, and you know, we saw that here with Ben Hamina, first believer. He had already been trying to... Dis- read the Bible, trying to learn about God before we were ever here. So God was drawing him already and then brought us here, brought Jake into his life, and then boom, he was just ready. And Ethiopian eunuch was ready. He says he went to Jerusalem to worship. So he was attracted to the Jewish God, and he was seeking God. God was already drawing him, and then boom, there's Philip. And so I think that can be discouraging for people, for believers, you know, you're trying to share your faith and nobody seems to be interested. But if you trust God that He's got people out there that are He's already working in their hearts just to keep going and not give up. I think that's a lesson that they can might need to hear, you know, just to keep going until they find those that God is already working in. I think that's a great a great idea, man. I just this using Benjamin's story in this, I think, is also a good idea when we're teaching it. Is like, okay, God prepared him and 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 then He sent. Uh, Jake, you know, like so, and then asking the question, like, where is God working in your boycott? And you might not know until you start talking. Right. You got to go and you fish, you find out. Well, that, that was the thing that we, that even they try to drill us into as an FBO. God is always working everywhere in someone. Yes. Right? You know, who, do we really believe that God is really working? Then God is working somewhere among your people group, or God is working somewhere in your community, or God is working somewhere in your family. And you just have to be willing to, to listen to the Spirit. I mean, he says, the Spirit said to Philip, and just, just listen. Yeah. Slow down and listen because you never know where somebody is in that journey towards Christ. If they're, they may just be right at that moment. Well, guys, um, looking forward to teaching Sunday. Um, this has been a great, uh, great podcast. I, I think uh, this is something that we'll definitely try and do again. Um, and um, thank you all out there for, for sharing with us. I know that uh, lots of you guys listening probably um, have different thoughts on, on this and are thinking about what you would teach if you were in our position or, or, or what you taught last week to your congregation. I don't know. But if those thoughts are going through your mind, then praise the Lord. The, the, the Lord is using this to, to further his kingdom in, in some way other than what's going on right here in this room. So thank you for tuning in. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next week.